Not only all, is this all not under taught, God? No, no, it says United. It's Latin for out of many one. That's it. Out of many there's, one, meaning so we are many a melting pot. That are so sad <laughs> that I am. Well, it's not your fault because they don't teach us in school anymore, and they haven't for probably thirty years, and it's rarely or ever talked about as a core value in America anymore. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. Our goal is to help you grow in your faith. A strong faith is the foundation for every good thing in your life. Mm -hmm. It guides you through tough times. It encourages you every single day. And a strong faith will make the good times even better because it is faith that brings meaning to life. Your faith is the primary factor in growing emotionally strong, and it gives you guidance in how to love the most important people in your life. And it keeps you away from from toxic relationships in your life as well. So we're here to help you grow a strong and powerful faith. My name is Jesse Mayer, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without a Salty Pastor. And we have the original, unadulterated, uh, non-Mediterranean, non-sea uh, salt, Salty Pastor, Dr. Douglas Peak. Non-Mediterranean. Well, there's all these different salts these days. You're also not hey, a bath salt. I'm so not I mean, a bath you're... salt. That's definitely true. I'm glad everybody is joining us today. I'm really excited about the parables that we're doing over the summer. Some really great insight and lessons and reminders. And boy, do we need some really rock-solid things that haven't changed for thousands of years to guide us through these tumultuous times. So I'm really excited about everything that we're focusing on and everything we've been doing about these parables, because it's just been really reiterating the significant key parts of our faith. And I, I'm loving it. Yeah. And I think we're just really having such a good time in these parables because they're still applicable today. And that's yep. what I think people don't understand is mm -hmm. one, the context and why it was important back then, but also the context and why it's important now. And that's why I love this yeah. podcast. And I, that's why I love these parables. We studied the good Samaritan on Tuesday mm -hmm. and Jesus shows the gospel transcends ethnic barriers, cultural barriers, societal barriers mm -hmm. back then. And I would assume that that is still true today. <laughs> he didn't wrap that up 500 years after it launched, like Google wraps up most of its projects after yeah. they launch. Well, it's just really, really interesting because uh, just, you know, I think an illustration of how this is applicable today is that uh, Google has been very, very progressive in their support of the LGBTQ plus community. And they were sponsoring this event and there was a specific event that was a drag queen show, which drag queen shows have been around for quite a while, right. but they now are not only marketing to kids, but what a lot of people don't know is that drag queens tend to, uh, satire attack and insult people of faith particularly they dress up as nuns, they dress up as pre they do these types of things. And one of the drag queens that was performing had the stage name Peachy Christ. And so hmm. a bunch of Christian employees working at Google wrote a letter and said, our policy is not to insult or denigrate anybody on the basis of religion, sexual orientation, all that kind of stuff. So they used their own policy and said, this is offensive. I mean, this is attacking our faith. It's not just 
people expressing themselves and doing what they want. They're intentionally trying to offend and insult our Savior, Jesus. And so Google withdrew their support for that event. Mm. So now here's the most important principle I think that's happening in today's world. There's a passionate movement to create division or barriers between people, all the different Americans. Now, it's interesting to note how and why this has been so effective. How has it been effective? Well, because America is extremely diverse. It was founded on the principle of a melting pot on our seal, the official seal of the United States of America, which was ratified, I believe, in 1784. And the Constitution, I believe, was ratified in 1785. Now, I may have gotten those back and forth. So the Constitution and the seal of the United States of America are two of the oldest things in our nation. And on our seal, it has an eagle with olive branches and other things. But it says in Latin, E Pluribus Unum, which is Latin for... Do you remember? I, no, I, I <laughs> spent all morning organizing tools, so I will be honest, my brain is not okay. firing. We're warming up. I have We're my warming coffee, up. Pastor. We're warming give me, up. Give me this easy one okay. as, a, as a freebie, and I will, I will well, be jelling with yeah. you. Well, I'll tell you, it's not your fault, Jesse, because not all, only is this all not under God? No, no, it says, United. it's Latin for out of many one that's it out of many there's, one meaning so we are a melting pot that are so sad that i am <laughs> well it's not your fault because they don't teach us in school anymore and they haven't for probably 30 years and it's rarely or ever talked about as a core value in america anymore everything on the news everything in social uh, media everything in university is about how yeah is how, how we're not alike we're then. not alike and we should attack each other all the time now the point is that it didn't matter this, this uh, motto didn't matter what language you spoke, your ethnicity, you could come and participate in a nation built on liberty, simply meaning that whatever you chose to do, you had the freedom to do within the parameters of the Constitution. Now, you can see the impact of this core value worked out today. It took a while, I think, for America to realize the power and the purity of this core value and the core values of our Constitution. You know, first of all, they had to extend it to all ethnic groups. They originally extended it to like Irish and Germans and, and Spaniards and so forth. But then they also had to extend it to those who were purchased in the slave trade. Now, yeah. people don't realize that there were thousands and thousands of free black citizens that had immigrated to America and they were free on the day they got here. And they were never enslaved at all. And so what it was is that if somebody was purchased in another country, transported here, and then purchased for that, it did would they have the same rights as these other blacks that were right. already free? And, of course, the Dred Scott decision from the uh, Supreme Court, which is one of the most atrocious decisions in the history of the Supreme Court, said no. But we extended this principle because of the power of it and the period of it to everyone and then it was it just it has continued to march forward and because of that america is the most diverse and inclusive nation that has ever existed in the history of the world this is important to understand mm. it is the most diverse 
and the most inclusive nation that has ever existed in the history of the world. Two basic facts, and that is over 90% of any immigrant or refugee wants to go to America. Doesn't matter where in the world you are, nine out of 10 say, I want to go to America, right? You don't have a lot of them saying, I want to go to Indonesia. They're all saying, I want to go right to America. And so that's really important. Now, we lived in Italy for a few months. Here's another illustration of this. Uh, uh, a number of years ago, we lived in Italy, and we really enjoyed ourselves there. The easiest thing to find in Italy was, guess what? Italian food. As a matter of fact, Italian food was pretty much your only option. Yes. <laughs> so you go down there, and you're like, okay, we're having time. Every once in a while, we'd actually go to McDonald's. Now, this is something that my wife, in all my years of marriage, and when the kids were growing up, my wife never said to me, hey, let's go out on a Friday night and eat at McDonald's until we got to Italy. <laughs> she goes, no, it'd be nice to have a I little taster. I miss home a little bit. Home, but, so, uh, but, but you get, something yeah, else. <laughs> something that's familiar, because all we're eating is Italian food, and you can't get Mexican food there, you know? Now, now on a rare occasions, like in Rome and some places, you can hunt these places down and find them, but they're not like here on every corner, and so uh, we'd go to McDonald's, but even McDonald's had been... Uh, influenced by Italian, right? The whole mm -hmm. way they did it and the food well, they and served. Well, I was just and, in Israel and, and yeah. some of the, they take certain things off the menu. Obviously they don't do cheeseburgers yeah. in Israel because that's not kosher and they would make no money off of that because a majority of the people there are kosher. kosher. So yeah, like McDonald's does take influences. Like when I was in Puerto Rico, there was some alternative versions of various f styles of uh, McDonald's things yeah. that are not very here in america so they do have influences but you're still getting basically what you expect which, which is, is nice but yeah. they're so hard to find i mean yeah. they're they're very rare uh there's not tons of them and you you're not going to see all these ethnic things but you go down to any downtown in any metropolitan area and guess what you can eat chinese food you can eat russian food thai food japanese food italian food mexican one food of my favorite things nepalese when I was in New food York. you could get all of these <laughs> all of these things, things. you can get barbecue Barbecue, Americana, you know, you can get anything you can think of from anywhere in the world. You can order it there, right? You, you get Mongolian food at Mongolian barbecue. It's just, it, what does that mean? Well, what that is, is number one, there's a market for it. And number two is it just goes to show how diverse America really is more than any other nation in the world. And every single minority group, this is another important fact that we need to discuss. Every single minority group in America lives better than the people in the nation they came from. Let me say that again. Every single minority group in America lives better than the people in the nation they came from, even Western European countries. There's a study done that says that people in the last hundred years who immigrated from Sweden have a higher level standard than their family members and counterparts who live in Sweden today. And Sweden's considered a first world country, mm -hmm. but they're doing economically better. A, uh, and this uh, is true across the board. So uh, yes, Asians much higher, whether you be Japanese, Cambodian or Indonesian or Chinese, it's true for Latinos. And it's also true for African blacks that have immigrated to America in the last 50 years. Mm. Those, those people come and their standard of living is so much higher, not only from the nation that they came from, but also from other 
black minority groups that have lived in America for over 100 years. Well, and I think while it's important, I think what you're saying is so important because we we so often just hear about why it's bad to live in America, right? right. Why, why certain groups are suffering in America mm-hmm. that we never really talk about the fact that the reason you can have, uh, uh, you know, uh, upward mobility. Uh, and, well, I mean, yeah. even just like, uh, the, like, uh, uh, pride parade or things of that nature. The fact that you're allowed to have those is not something that is granted to citizens in every country. Almost no countries. Almost no countries, right? (laughs) It's like there's some in Europe and stuff. Very few. But these things that are supposedly so oppressive about America are also the reason you're able to you're a, you have freedom to do these things yes. that you would not have the freedom to do in these other countries. Mm-hmm. So, so many people like to compare, well, things in this country are so much better than America. And it's like, well, you can go there if that's what you yeah. are really. And but, are they really? But yeah. And, and are think, they as diverse as us? Yeah. And I think the other thing too is like, you're not saying there are not issues that affect specific minorities Correct. that need to be fixed. That is not at all what you're saying, no. but you're saying that there's a lot of really good things going and no one ever talks about the really good things. It's just, yeah. the com- it's just the things that aren't going good that no, and then there's no talk about, well, it could be so much worse. And while we are working on those things, doesn't mean that. And the problem is the comparison. And that is, is that it, you know, all, I could feel really bad if I walked around and compared myself with Elon Musk every single day, yep. right? I mean, here he is. He's a billionaire so many more times over, and he's, you know, he has he's Tesla. He's buying Twitter and, as a joke. Yeah, and and like, he's, he's doing all this kind of stuff. Boy, I am so far from him in his lifestyle. You know, I could be saddened about it. So the, the issue is, is that what metrics are you using? And right now, America is the most diverse country that has ever existed. And every minority group that lives in America does better than their counterparts in the nation that they came from. That's just an established fact. However, even though we are the most diverse and inclusive, there's a concerted effort, like you just said, to divide America on as many social, ethnic, and language barriers as possible and to say, well, this group isn't you know, successful, and it's the system or America political structure, social or structure, another cla- or yeah. another or another group problem. is stopping it. And all and all you have to do is to understand why this is happening is just basically read Karl Marx, and that explains everything. Well, I mean, after three hundred and something plus episodes <laughs> with you, Pastor, I would not say I'm a Karl Marx expert, but I do feel like I'm studying to be an expert. You're um, getting world class education. But what I do know. What I've gleaned over the time I've yes. spent with you in these discussions is he was really interested in political revolutions. He mm-hmm. was not a person who's like, hey, let's like try to fix what we have. It no. was a let's throw everything out and, yes. and blow it up kind of a person. And he's also the father of communism mm-hmm. and socialism, right? Yes, the Those, isms. The isms. Well, there's a lot of isms these days, so... Uh, <laughs> Yes. He, he, while while it would be easy to heap it all on him, I don't think every ism comes from, from him. him. That is true. Uh, he's interested in political revolution where communism or socialism is the basis for how the nation operates. And his point is, is in order to install communistic ideology or to install socialistic ideology, what you have to do is you have to com- you have to have a revolution. And the revolution is basically that you have to, the state owns everything. No, there's no individual rights and there's no individual property ownership 
anymore. And there's no, you don't own your labor. You don't own what you think you don't own. There's no individual anymore. It's a collective, Mm. right? And so, uh, how do you get this revolution to happen? Cause you can see, you can't like incrementally step towards that. You have to have somebody come in and just impose it. Well, the only way to get the revolution to happen is very similar to every other revolution. You see this not only in uh, Russia, the Bolshevik Re- revolution, you see the revolution in China, they call it the cultural revolution. You see the revolution in Vietnam, you see the revolution in uh, Cambodia, all of these things, they come to power and it's just a massive shift. Now, due to the fact that America has such a massive middle class and upper middle class, this strategy never worked. They weren't able to come in and create enough division to get it to flip, right? Mm. So what they do today, they change the strategy. And this came out of the Frankfurt School of Social Theory. And the strategy is to use ethnic divisions, gender divisions, and now even sexual orientation categories in order to divide as many Americans as possible. It is not difficult to do because you create a problem where there is no problem, but people believe it. Uh, for instance, uh, do you remember the old Broadway play, The Music Man? Did you ever do that one? Pastor, I know all of the Broadway plays, so yes, <laughs> Music Man. Did you ever great... play the lead there, Herod Hill? I was I was not graced to be on the stage as often as I would like, like. but I have I have I have viewed True many confessions. a play. I've, I've viewed many a play. Well, you remember he comes in. Really, what he is is a con man, right? And yep. He comes in, and what he does is he creates a problem in the town, and then he says. Uh, it's, you know, boys are being attracted to it. So what I'll do is I'll start a band for boys, right? Mm-hmm. And you raise money for uniforms and instruments. And then he, I'll go buy it and we'll start a band. And what he does is when he gets all that money is he just jumps on the train and runs off to the next town, right? Mm-hmm. So he's a con man. He's yep. a grifter. He's a shyster. And so what happens is he has a song in there called we've got trouble when he starts off in river city there in iowa he starts it off big you know and there's a line in there he goes you got trouble right here in river city there's trouble right here it starts with t and that rhymes with p and that stands for pool (laughs) and so he picked on pool because they brought a billiards table into the town right yes so, so the, the whole point is, is that everybody gets up in arms because, oh my goodness, we have pool now. Yes. It's going to cause all these problems. You know, only, only bad things happen around a billiards table. Yeah. I mean, so what, what happens is this is basically what's happening in America today. You have people who are going around creating divisions and trouble in America for the sole purpose of dividing it. Right. Mm. Well, you're being denied rights because you are fill in the blank but the best way on a side note to counteract that is say okay well what rights does this group have that you don't have that's in law and the the problem is that nobody can ever answer that question honestly there isn't any Mm. right this is what's happening in america today it's due to a group of people a political class that wants to divide america because the more divided it is the greater political power they get they are harold hill the music man who is saying you know, there's trouble. It starts with T. It rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. And of course, a, a person who's thinking goes, "What does pool have to do with the trouble? Nothing. Right. Just because it rhymes, there's no connection there, right? But everybody gets on board and believes it. Yeah. It. And that's what's happening today. Oh, well, these people are being denied rights. Well, how, what rights are you talking about? What rights do they? 
they don't have that I do have. And that's the really issue. Um, well, case in point. Well, before you make, I just wanted to show this and you can comment on it. Very few people remember that when the Marxist ideology brought about the Bolshevik revolution, the entire appeal for Lenin and the Bolsheviks was we are going to bring you elevate you into a greater lifestyle. If you're a worker, a peasant, or a laborer, your life is going to get so much better. And so they jumped on Mm. board, and guess what happened? As soon as it shifted, the exact opposite happened, and they Mm. were all enslaved by the state. Yeah, I think I see so much of this right now of, I mean, the the only people really winning in this are the political people, right? right? Like, it's none of us are winning, and whether whatever side you vote for, they are all running a ring around us and trying to make sure that we are too busy fighting each other to focus on what they're doing. Some of them are doing some good things, and I do think there are good policies, but I don't think that any of them are really interested in what's best for us. They're very interested in what's best for them and staying in power, right? Which is Mm -hmm. enslavement to the state. We want to be in power. We just want you guys to go along with whatever we say, Mm -hmm. and it will. I promise my way will be better than whatever thing you come up with. And what's so frustrating for me right now is I used to be a debate captain. Yes. I love engaging in healthy debate. Even if I don't believe in something, I like kind of just being like, okay, let's do a thought experiment and try the other side. I like the, 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 the back and forth. Cause it, it further solidifies what I believe when I'm sitting and talking, no one will have a debate or even a conversation anymore. Right. Because all we've been convinced to do is you belong to a certain group of people based on your sexual orientation, your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, whatever. And if someone else doesn't agree with you, you just scream at them on the internet and block them and then never talk to them again because they disagree with you on one thing and therefore they must believe all of the worst things that have ever happened. Correct. And those things, right? And it's so frustrating because it's like the whole reason we have a two-party system was the belief was that neither party would ever have the complete right answer, that instead Mm -hmm. they should... Through debate and compromise, debate, they, compromise come better, they come to a better, come to the best better option. option. Same thing with so many other things. Is yeah. we would be so much better off if we could just have a conversation, but those conversations would then require other people to be held to accountability mm-hmm. and not let them do what they want to do. And us in disarray, us not getting together, also empowers so many other countries. Like mm-hmm. I'm seriously worried about some of these other countries going. Man, they're in a hot mess over there. We can just kind of <laughs> do whatever we want because. They can't even figure out what they're yeah. doing with themselves. And well, and that's kind of sad. There's a political agenda here, and the end goal is more power, you know. Unfortunately, the common man, the average person, ends up being dehumanized in the process, right? They're like you said, they're more they want to keep us arguing with each other and to the point where we don't even talk to each other anymore. Now, and that's all about a victim mentality. When you're convinced you're a victim and this group is against you, it's really interesting because what you see in the media is how bad Christians are towards you know, LGBTQ plus people right. or other, or whatever. And they're the problems they get blamed for everything today. But I, I've, I've quoted this statistic before in research. They said that between 60 and 70% of the LGBTQ plus community has a very negative view of Christians, right? Doesn't like them, doesn't want anything to do with them. And then the follow-up question was, have you ever had a negative interaction with a Christian? And less than 20% say they've had one. 
So where does their idea... Does the other 50%... Yeah, where's the 50% come from that well, don't like them? And I mean, and that's, again, that's an assumption. You're just going based off of someone's yeah. post. Or I heard that someone had a bad exactly. interaction. And it's like, there's none, there's no critical thinking There's anymore, no critical Pastor. thinking. And, and so people yeah. aren't having the conversation of, well, I've never had that interaction, so maybe I should... Then you act like a victim all the time. It's like, oh, I don't want to be around them. I don't want to talk to them because they're going to victimize me. And then the state comes in as your savior and says, I will fix all of the issues that you have and (laughs) let me help you fix this thing that we definitely didn't start the problem. (laughs) We caused the problem. Well, I I think that's really important. There's a video I want to show you of a civil rights leader. This guy is really sharp. He's on Dr. Phil, and he talks about this very issue. Let's listen. You say you don't support reparations. Why not? Not everybody suffered equally. I mean, when you go into uh, slavery, it's more, much more complex than all white people were the oppressors and black people were the victims. If you, if you dissect it, you will find there were about 3,700 free blacks who owned 12,000 slaves, black slaves. The question is, do the descendants of those free blacks who owned black slaves, do they pay? Blacks really uh, benefited more the first hundred years after slavery than we have in the last 50 years. I was born in 1937 during the Depression. Everyone in my small, low-income black community, 98% of the households had a man and a woman raising children. Elderly people could walk safely in that community without fear of being assaulted by their grandchildren. Never heard a gunfire during that time. Never heard of a child being uh, shot to death in the crib. But there are 50 children today who have been shot and killed in our cities. If you talk, you're talking about remedies, we've got to look beyond uh, saying that, that every solution has to have a, a, a winner and a loser. That blacks can only benefit if whites lose. We have to be defined more than just victims of oppression. When whites were at their worst, blacks were at their best. When we were denied access to, uh, to, to hotels, we built our own. We have to uh, communicate to our people this, the, the history of how they achieved in the face of oppression. But if we continue to sit back and say, all of the challenges that we face in, in uh, out of wedlock versus the violence, that somehow white, the, the control of that is, is in the hands of white America. And therefore, until white people change, there's nothing that we can do. This sets up a, a terrible situation for this nation. The big crisis facing America is not racial. It is a moral and spiritual freefall that is consuming our children. Boy, that's really a oh powerful gosh, way to finish so it. so powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the problem isn't racial. It's the spiritual and moral free fall. Oh my gosh. That, I mean, what he just said is such a powerful statement. I would recommend everyone to go back and re-listen to that. Cause I mean, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that's just, it's a completely different way of looking at things of you have, you got to stop thinking like a victim. Right. Did bad things happen to you? Yes. Are there still things that are happening today? Yes. yes. But does that mean that you have to wait? You're, you are giving so much more power to people that are not, I mean, it's this yeah. idea of like... You're giving all of your power away. Yeah, and it's like he's saying we were thriving. We were industrious. We were doing all of these things even in the worst of times. And now that yeah. things are better, 
Not perfect, but better. Mm -hmm. We've suddenly gone, well, woe is me. I can't do anything about it. And and he's basically calling, stop acting like a victim and take your life in your own hands and do something. Yeah. And that's why I think the parable of the Good Samaritan is so applicable here today. And that is the truth of the matter is, is we as followers of Christ, not what your political ideology is, just followers of Christ. Okay. We have enemies Mm. in America. And these are people who seek to harm us, right? Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago, I talked about all of the, when you were out uh, being the dean of a camp, I, I did a monologue that day and talked about all of the people who've been fired and persecuted simply because they won't go along with this LGBTQ plus stuff mm. in their workplace. And so people were shocked. I mean, and I just read the tip of the iceberg So there are people who seek to persecute us or cancel us or eliminate us. So how do we stand strong against their attacks? How do we stand up for what we believe and yet still be compassionate when they're in need? Because you remember the Samaritan, right? His temple of worship was destroyed by the Jews. Mm. And here is a Jewish man beaten, lying in the road, considered dead and he had compassion on him and what did he do he picked him up dressed his wounds took him to an inn and paid to have him taken care of we are called as christians if i think we need to stand strong against these political attacks or these agendas we need to know where they come from and why if we understand their tactics we can counter them much better but in the end the best way for us to overcome these this persecution is to have a social conscience, mm. right? For the longest time, Christianity was illegal in the Roman Empire. And then there was a plague. Some people think it was a smallpox breakout in Rome. 30-some percent of the population was killed because of smallpox. This was in about, it's called the Antipas Plague. And Antipas was the emperor at that time. People, you know, if they got sick or you presented something, your family wouldn't even touch you. They, if you're laying in bed, they would grab the sheet, drag you off, and leave you in the, uh, out in the street. I mean, we saw the same thing during the Black Plague, right? People yeah. just basically abandoning all humanity. Yeah, they just abandoned it. And so guess what happened is Christians would go through and pick those people up and take care of them. And mm. a lot of them would get healthy again. You know, they develop antibodies, they, they get healthy. A lot of them died. A lot of Christians died during that period of time. But the Christians caught. were like, well, it doesn't matter if I die or not, because if I die, I go to heaven. Cause Paul, didn't he say, right. Oh, it's much better if I go, but yeah. I'll stay and help. <clears throat> and so he, they, they did that. And guess what? Every emperor after that, that tried to persecute Christians, he would issue this edict, go and persecute and arrest them. No one would do it. They no, did. do it. Yeah. yeah. Because everybody was like, man, my dad or my mom or my cousin, my uncle, my grandparent or whatever was taken care of. That's our, our social conscience, our capacity to care for those who are wounded in their time of need. That is one of the most powerful things that we do as a church. And when we act that way and live that way, guess what? It's really hard to persecute us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for giving us some insight of how these parables are applying to us today. And uh, make sure you guys tune in on Sunday so that you can check out um, Pastor Doug speaking about this on stage for the message here at Foothills. Otherwise, we'll see you next week here on the Salty Pastor. Blessings.